I'm Josh, and I am a compulsive overeater. And I love that I'm being recorded today. Um, it, um, and, and I say that seriously. Um, and I hope not to censor my share accordingly. But um, I've, there has been a lot of necessary recovery that I've gotten in some amazing places because of recordings of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I remember when I was um, newly abstinent and I was going to be studying abroad in Australia. And this was in uh, the end of 2002 and 2003. And it was before they had the podcast. And there were fellows in this program um, that came up to me and gave me audio tapes um, of different OA conventions and so on. And I brought a portable audio tape player and I listened to audio tapes of um, OA meetings when I, when I was there. Um, I also had a home meeting that I went to every Saturday and had a sponsor in Australia because at that time it was not with the time zone and with how with what phone calls were. There was no way that I could call my sponsor um, from out there. So I got, you know, I'd gotten another sponsor out there. Um, and then with um, when they started you know, doing this and with the, the light a candle meeting, um, literally there were people in the program that I got to come up to when I did a trip um, to China where I got to say, you know, I was on this bus from, <laughs> you, know, you know, in Shanghai and I was listening to your story and, um, and, and it's, you know, it's amazing. And it's, it's funny because my, my wife has, you know, ha- is able to figure out the iTunes better than I can. So she has a bunch of like, you know, OA I- iTunes on, on her iPod. Um, but, um, but that's sort of, um, without that stuff, I don't know how I would have gotten through um, those kinds of trips um, one day at a time. So, um, for those of you um, that don't know my story, and for those of you that are listening to my story and don't know what I look like, or if you know my story, um, by June 29th, uh, ten, I celebrate 10 years of abstinence, um, one day at a time. My top, my top weight is 260 pounds, and I am a real compulsive overeater. And I was talking to my sponsor on the way over here and um, reminded him that he had taught me what he had learned from his sponsor before leading a meeting, which is, um, and I always get this backwards because I'm dyslexic, um, I think it's the, um, the, the mouth is mine, the words are yours, let's go get them, God. Um, and I always like that because it's a nice way to, to start the meeting. And um, my home meeting's tomorrow, so I'll get to go to a meeting tomorrow where I'm not listening to myself, so that'll be good. Um, and, um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a real compulsive overreader. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it's like, and I'm going to tell you about what happened and what it's like now. Um, I don't remember a time when I wasn't a compulsive overreader. Um, when I was younger, I always had a sort of different relationship with food. Um, my favorite story to tell was I was about eight years old. And I was going to be going on a car trip with my dad. And not with my dad, with my friend and my friend's dad. Um, and we were going to be going on this hour and a half car trip. And I went to the pantry and I packed two grocery bags worth of food. And um, 
I still remember exactly what I put in those grocery bags, and it was some really good stuff. Um, and, um, and I was all excited about this car trip because I was going to, you know, I had all my food. And I got in the car, and I was in the back seat, my friend in the front seat, my friend's dead in, the, in, in driving, and he turns back, and he looks at me and says, Josh, there's no eating in my car. And I was pissed, and I was angry, and I did not know how I was going to get through that hour-and-a-half car ride without my food. I did not know. Um, I'd get home from school, and my first question to my mom would always be, what's for dinner? Okay? Always. Uh, my mom's a great cook, so most of the time it was something awesome, and I'd be really excited and it would make my day. Okay? Um, but sometimes it would be something that Josh wasn't in the mood for. Okay? Something that, something that I didn't want. And, um, you know, surprisingly enough, she wouldn't change the dinner for me. Um, and... Um, and I would feel deprived, I would feel scared, I'd feel angry, and it would ruin my night, and I wouldn't know how I was going to get through the night, um, not having what I wanted to eat. Because I, I ate, I, I had dinner, I was totally nourished, I was fine in terms of, you know, it wasn't like I was physically hungry, um, but I wasn't eating what, what I wanted. And at even a young age, in elementary school, something that like that not having the dinner I wanted would ruin my night um, and that's that's what it was like and that's what it was like for as long as I could remember um, when I got to high school and got my driver's license it started to get really out of hand with the food because what happened was I was able to drive to places and get food at times that I was never able to do it before. Um, I was able to go to the drive-thru basically whenever I wanted. Um, and um, if it was greasy, if it was deep fried, um, if it was a burger, if it was a milkshake, um, if it was Dr. Pepper, I was interested in it. Um, and otherwise, um, I didn't really have much interest. And that stuff worked um, because it numbed me out because it was so heavy and it was cheap and I could, you know, eat a lot of it that it would, that it would numb me out um, and it would work. Um, and the food and the weight was a huge part of my identity. Um, being overweight, being the fat, jovial guy was, was who, like, was a huge part of who I was. Um, in high school and, and, and even in college, I thought that my friends liked me because I was overweight and because I could eat so well. Um, they, named, they named the pie eating contest after me in high school. Um, the, um, when I was in high school and looking at colleges, they, um, they, they, said, they said, Josh, you know, when I was at school, what, what do you want to do for a career? And I hadn't thought about anything like that. And I went home to my parents and I said, you know, they're, they're asking what do I want to do for, for a career. And they gave me great advice. They said, Josh, if you do something that you love, um, then it won't feel like a job. Every day you'll get up and you'll be excited to go to work. So I thought about it and thought about it and I came up with it. 
I was going to be a food critic. Um, and I had taken steps to become a food critic. I had a food journal. Um, I wrote, I think, one or two articles in the newspaper. Um, but obviously the big problem was I wasn't very critical. Um, and, um, you know, I would, I, you know, I'd be upset about portion sizes and, um, you know, and, and, and prices and, the, and that kind of stuff. Um, but, um, but I really thought I had it made. And I really, I really truly believed that that was my path because food was my master. Um, there was nothing else in this world that I cared about um, like I cared about food. I had such a you know, love affair with food, and I did not care about anything else as long as I could have my food when I, when I wanted it. Um, and, um, and it was such a big part of my identity and who I was and why I was funny and why I thought I had friends because I'd make fun of myself all the time about it. Um, that, um, bef- you know, before coming into this program, um, I wasn't someone that had, you know, the fantasies about looking like I look today. Um, I did not want to be thin before I came into program. Um, I wanted to continue to eat the way that I was eating um, with the intention of only gaining more and more weight. Um, because it was so much easier for me to keep on the weight and to keep um, stuffing down the feelings with my food. I didn't have to be real with other people, and I didn't have to be vulnerable um, with other people. I didn't have to have real intimate relationships um, before um, I came into program. And um, it was... um, only through working these 12 steps and coming to these meetings and working this program that today I can feel comfortable in my body. Um, today um, I cannot compulsively overeat just for today. Um, and that is a miracle of this program um, and certainly not anything that I would have wanted to do um, before coming into this program. Um, before program I would always eat with other people Um, I felt like if I was binging and someone else was there, that it was okay because someone else saw it. So it wouldn't be a big deal. And I was so open about how I was eating that I wasn't, you know, uh, um, ashamed about it. And I felt like if somebody else was there with me, that what I was doing was okay. And um, I would literally go to the drive-thru twice in one night. I'd eat dinner. Like in college, I'd eat the dorm, all you could eat dinner, and then I'd go to the drive-thru, um, one of the ones that was closed at 1 a.m. on weekdays and 1.30 a.m. on weekends, and then I'd go to um, one of the 24-hour ones after that, and I'd go with someone each time. But of course, I'd have to go with different people at the one that I went to at midnight as the one that I went to at 2 or 3 in the morning because they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to eat again, and I'd be eating double portions each time. Um, but I felt like since someone was there that it was okay. It wasn't until I came into this program um, that I was able to sit and eat a meal by myself and feel comfortable and and, and feel okay with that. Um, And, um, yeah, and I would eat so much um, crap because I love the the drive-thru. Um, more than anything, and I'd be sitting there in all this pain. I'd literally be in physical pain. I'd have um, diarrhea from the amount of food that I was eating. 
Um, and I'd be sitting there on the toilet saying to myself, Josh, you can't eat like this anymore. Um, and then 45 minutes later, hour later, hour and a half later, um, not when I was hungry, because rarely before I, um, I came into program did I, did I allow myself to feel hunger. Um, but when I was physically able to eat more food, okay, when, it was, when I was able to eat more, I'd be eating again because I was able to. Um, and, and that was what it was like um, before I came into program. So um, my, uh, my dad got into program um, it'll, over 14 years ago. It'll be almost 15 years in, in, in February. Um, and um, I had seen him um, growing up um, sort of, you know, struggling with his food. Um, and, and with his weight and, and, and going, you know, up and down on different diets and so on. And then he found Overeaters Anonymous, and it was something different. Something, something had changed. Um, and um, and I, didn't, you know, I didn't really know what it was, but, you know, I knew that it was, you know, I now understand it's sort of he had a sort of sense of serenity around the food and around his life that he didn't have before. Um, and when I was 19 years old, going into my junior year of college, um, I started to do things a little bit healthier um, for for my life. I um, started to do exercise for the first time in years, and um, and then thought, do I want to take a look at this food thing? And um, do I do I really want to address this? And I asked my dad about Overeaters Anonymous, um, and instead of talking to me about it, instead of giving me literature. He brought me to my first meeting, and we went to Serenity Sunday at Roxbury Park. We went to the newcomer meeting at 10 a.m., and then we went to the main meeting at 10.30. Um, the um, speaker at the 10.30 meeting had lost over 100 pounds. He'd been maintaining the weight loss, I think, for over five years. Um, he had this huge belt buckle that he showed. And by the way, I didn't even pass my pictures, so here, if anyone wants to see them. Um, he had this huge belt buckle um, that, he, um, that he would show that would, you know, that how all these notches that he was able to use and, you know, how, you know, how big it was, like twice the size of him. Um, and he talked about food in the ways that I just described it to you today. Um, and he talked about being, a, you know, a compulsive overeater, and I knew, I knew I was home. I knew that this was, I knew that this was me. Um, then he started talking about higher power and other stuff, and I didn't understand why, but I was intrigued enough. Um, and, um, and that is still my home meeting on, on Sundays, um, that first meeting um, that I went to. And um, I, um, at the end of the meeting, this guy came up to me, younger guy. He was about my age now, you know, in his early, I think in his early 30s. Um, and he looked totally normal. Um, he came up to me and said, Josh, I used to be 400 pounds. Here's my number. And he was like, I was sitting, I was looking at him. He was this, you know, this skinny guy. And so I was intrigued, so I called him. And he said to me when we were on the phone, um, before you make up your mind on this program, um, go to six meetings. If you go to um, enough meetings, eventually you're going to hear your story. Um, and you should go to you should go you should really go to six meetings before you make up your mind. Um, and I um, it was by my like third or fourth meeting that I knew that I was willing um, to go to any lengths um, to get this. And I heard people talking about 
Um, abstinence, I didn't understand what that meant. I heard people talking about sponsors. I didn't know how to find one. I heard people talking about these 12 steps. I didn't know what they meant, but I heard them read aloud. Um, and, you know, I was told to get a sponsor so I could, you know, figure out all this stuff, figure this out with another person. And I was having a really hard time finding a guy to sponsor me. So I went to a men's stag meeting on a Wednesday night, which is still going. It was in Brentwood at the time, and now it's in Westwood. Um, and... I um, got to the meeting, went through the entire meeting, and they didn't introduce sponsors. And I was like, what? How am I supposed to do this? So after the meeting, I said to the group, look, I'm looking for a sponsor. Um, like, can anyone, can, can anyone sponsor me? And three guys at that meeting came up to me, gave me their number, and, um, and said that they would sponsor me. And that's where I found my first sponsor. And God bless him. Um, he took me through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and we started working the steps together. Um, he also had me write down um, my abstinence um, and a food plan, which I, um, you know, which I shared with him and figured out what that was and, and, and got abstinent. Um, I remember I called an, an old-timer early on in program who shared with me some of his experience, strength, and hope and said, this is what I do on a daily basis. And then a lot of that stuff was stuff that I started to do you know, with, with my sponsor um, and working it. And that allowed me to stay abstinent one day at a time. This is when I was physically, you know, so, you know, jonesing from not having, you know, the sugar and all the different stuff, you know, and all the stuff that I was having before um, and sticking to, you know, my three abstinent meals um, for today. Um, and, um, yeah, and shortly after I had, you know, was going to be studying abroad and taking this big, um, this, big, this big trip for four months to Australia, and I was really scared. Um, and I didn't know how I was going to do it, and I was sharing a lot at meetings. Um, and then it was people, you know, came up to me, and, you know, and gave me those audio tapes. I found, you know, a meeting that I could go to, got a sponsor out there, was making the call still while I was there. Um, when I was in school, I was secretary of the meeting that I went to on Tuesdays. Um, because, you know, I still, you know, needed to, you know, go to meetings wherever, wherever I was. But let me tell you, we have it really good in Los Angeles with the meetings. Um, it is amazing what we have in L.A. where Overeater Anonymous was born, what, it's going to be almost 53, it's 53 years ago, uh, almost. And um, amazing to have meetings at all times during the day in so many different parts of town. Um, and, um, but now the stuff with the technology is amazing. I mean, these phone meetings, um, to be able to call into those, um, and those are going all the time, um, all day. Um, and they, um, I, they're, they're a great, I view them as sort of like a great tool, like an, like an outreach call. They really, um, they, they'll, they'll, they'll do the job in a pinch, but I still really, um, do prefer going to a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, but it's still nice to have in conjunction with the rest of my program to be able to call into a meeting, to be able to listen to um, a podcast. Um, and for over the last five years, I've been working, about the last five years, I've been working with my sponsor. And I want to talk about my sponsor. Um, and I want to talk about my sponsor because my sponsor has what I want. Um, and he works a program that I want. He makes more outreach calls in this program than anybody I know. He has a relationship with his higher power that I want to have. 
Um, and he has a relationship with his family that I want to have. He's so patient um, with his wife and with his family that it's just amazing to see. And that's why I call him every day. And I still call him every day um, because he has what I want. And um, I've had other you know, sponsors before that were great that I could maybe relate to more on paper um, than him. Like if you looked at us on paper, we wouldn't necessarily have that much in common. Um, but he has what I want, and he's a compulsive overreader. Um, and that's why, that's why I call him every day. And when I call him, he either picks up or he calls me back. And, um, and what that means is when I sponsor people and when I get calls, I pick up or I call back because that's what my sponsor, that's what my sponsor does for me. Um, and, um, and it's, you know, amazing, you know, to work with him and I call him every day and, you know, things will come up and I'll, you know, always want to ask him, um, for his advice in terms of what I should do. And he'll never, ever give me advice ever it'll always be well josh can i share with you my experience and i'll say of course you can share with me experience you know i've been calling every day for years you know i want your experience um and it's um and it's always it's always the same it's always um well my experience is if i write on it and if i pray on it um god will take care of it and that's and that's what he says and he believes it and i'll hear it in the midst of whatever's going on and my first reaction will be not to believe it still, you know, that that will actually take care of it. And the miracle of this program is it will. It actually, it, it really is that simple. It actually works. Um, if, if I do write on it and if I do pray on it and if I do hand it over and if I do pray to my higher power for guidance, my higher power will give me the answer. It's not always the answer that I want, <laughs> but my higher power will give me the answer. But I have to take a step back and I have to listen. Um, you know, today um, I have a healthy relationship um, with, um, with, with my wife, with another person. I have an intimate, healthy relationship with somebody. And that's a miracle of this program because I wasn't even close to having even like a, 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 a dysfunctional girlfriend before I came into program. You know, like I didn't, like I wasn't, like it wasn't even like in the, like I wasn't even capable of that. Um, and, um, but today I can have like, a, I can have like a loving relationship with someone. Um, and where I can not always, my, I don't always have to give her my first reaction. Um, and that is a miracle of this program. I can take a step back and I can, I can actually listen. Um, and then if I want to react in a certain way, I can, I can pray and then I can, you know, say that I will be done and, and, and try to, um, you know, you know, think how, you know, how can I be of service and how can I, you know, see it from, from, from this perspective. And then, of course, there are times that I don't. Um, and, and that's fine, too, because then I can, you know, write about it and talk about it and I can make amends for it. And that's OK today. Um, I can own um, my my side of the street today um, and um, and that you know more than anything is a miracle this program because before I came into this program um, I had all these feelings and all these resentments that I didn't even know about um, until I put down the food um, and then they would be you know coming tumbling in so we're not going to have that much um, time for questions because we, we have a bunch of stuff you know today with the um, 
with, ele- with elections and stuff because of the transition. So I do want to get to that because we've got about um, 10 minutes for, for, for questions. So thank you. All right, this is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you don't need to identify yourself. Um, Okay, great. Um, Does anybody, uh, yeah. Hi. Sure. The question was ta- to talk about what my absence is. Um, I have my absence and I have my um, plan of eating. Um, my abstinence um, has to do with um, what I eat. My plan of eating has to do with what I eat. Um, the most important thing I can tell you about my abstinence is that my sponsor knows what my abstinence is and that I know what my abstinence is. So I know if I'm abstinent and I know if I'm not abstinent. Um, my sponsor has a different abstinence than I have and people that I sponsor have a different abstinence um, than I have. Um, so my, my experience is, to, is figuring out what it was that I needed to do, what I needed to abstain from, um, because that may be different from, from you or certainly from, from my sponsor. But for me, my, my absence in terms of how much I eat, which is important because I'm a compulsive overeater, is I eat three meals a day and an optional snack. And the only time that that'll change is if I'm doing like traveling and up for a lot of hours. Um, and that'll still be something I'll talk to my sponsor about. Um, my plan of eating has to do with what I eat. Um, I have it broken down into three different categories. I have it broken down into red light foods, um, yellow light foods, and green light foods. Um, the red light foods are the foods that are alcoholic for me um, today that if I eat, I can't stop. And most of these foods have been on my list since I you know, started 10 years ago. And it's you know, pretty obvious stuff for me where it was like the stuff that I was getting at the drive-thru, you know, the, you know, the real deep fried stuff and the burgers and, you know, and then basic you know, desserts. And you know, there's like popcorn at the movies or in general that I can't do because I used to go to the movies and eat two large popcorns and that was like no big deal because they give a free refill. So I don't know why um, you wouldn't. But, um, but there's certain things that like for me I just can't do because you know, one, is, uh, one is too many and too many is never enough. Um, and then um, I have yellow light foods, and those are the foods where, like, you know, I'm constantly still, you know, um, you know, will, um, you know, those are foods where I need to really be careful with, um, where I'll eat them, but I need to, like, make sure it's not coming up all the time, and if it is, then maybe they have to, you know, be taken another look at. Um, and then I have green light foods. The green light foods are really exciting. The green light foods are the foods that I can eat, and usually there aren't any issues um, um, with them. And, um, and you can imagine what those are, like lean protein and, you know, vegetables and fruit, you know, and that, and that kind of stuff. Um, and, um, and, yeah, so that's, that's, sort of, that's sort of my absence. Yeah, so the question was, assuming that I didn't become a food critic, because the jury's out I didn't, um, and um, what, what the process of work of, in the program finding my passion, right? Um, yeah, it, look, um, just 
school for me growing up was was really um, was really difficult, um, and um, and I and I met, briefly mentioned that I'm that I'm dyslexic, um, and it was it had nothing to do with how smart I was, but just had to do with how I would comprehend information, um, and so I never loved school because it was it wasn't set up for someone like me, you know, to succeed growing up, um, and um, when I got into program. And when I got, you know, when I got absent, it was around the time that I was really um, flourishing in school for the first time, um, because college was set up in a way that was different from from high school, where it wasn't always exams, and it was more essays, and it was more things that I could um, that I could do well in. Um, and um, and as I was, you know, working this 12-step program, um, and and started to, to, you know, to get my life and you know, not just my physical life, but my spiritual and my emotional life in, in order as well. Um, you know, I was, you know, um, able to, you know, take a look and, and think about doing things like graduate school. And I'm in a profession now that, you know, my, my dad does and that my grandfather had done. And it was a profession that I needed to go to graduate school for. And it was a profession that I never growing up thought that I would do and even thought was a possibility. Um, and that is completely... A miracle um, of of this program, um, and I have a job today where I get to be of service every day. Um, I have a job where I get to you know give back um, to this community and, and to to other people um, that that I love. And it's so funny because it's like I look back at what my parents said to me, you know, when I was in high school, which was to get a job that I love so it doesn't feel like work, and that's how I and that's how I feel today. Um, but so much of that has to do not necessarily with what I'm doing, but with the glasses that I'm, you know, the, the glasses that I'm wearing today, which is, you know, with these 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous and, and being abstinent today. Because if I wasn't abstinent and I wasn't coming to this program, it wouldn't matter what I was doing. And I, I would be miserable, and I wouldn't know how to, you know, react or, or, or deal with life. And I have time for one more question. So, yeah. You talked about eating to uh, stuff down your feelings. Do you have a sense of what those feelings were um, early on that you were trying to avoid? Um, the question was, I talked about eating to stuff down those feelings, and do I have a sense of what those feelings were early on um, to try to avoid, right? And it was really, I was just trying to stuff down everything with my dad and my wife. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> um, but um, it didn't quite, he didn't, he wasn't even laughing right away. Um, he got really nervous. Um, no. Honestly, I, it was, it was everything. I was so afraid to, to, to be vulnerable and to have to like, be my own person like so much of what I wanted before I came into program was just to eat I just wanted to 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 just feel the feeling of of overeating and to taste the food that's all I cared about I, I that's really what it was and I wanted to eat what I wanted when I wanted it um, and I don't know why and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter why because um, that's all I wanted to do I'm a compulsive overeater I couldn't stop um, and um, and when I put down the food, you know, like I was saying, all these resentments, you know, came up that I didn't even know I had because I was eating over them. So I had like these resentments against like libraries and airports and like all these things and these people that I had no idea 
um, that I even um, that I even had before I came to the program because I was you know stuffing it down. But I mean, it didn't. I didn't need. I didn't need a reason. If the if if I went to the game and and the team won, great, let's celebrate. If they lost, oh man, we got to eat. And if it was a tie, it's like what happened? We should eat. You know, it didn't matter. I didn't need a reason. Um, but we should probably get um, to the stuff. But Peter, I want to thank you for for asking me to to lead today. So thank you.